Hello, everyone. In our promo for this week's podcast, we forgot to mention at the end of the show, we've got a tribute to the great Rayford Johnson by Einhol, Her Martinez, Meb Kofleski, and Bob Larson. So listen all the way to the end to get to that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the final podcast of 2020. It's a dream come true. It's a podcast that we've all been waiting for. The end of a bad year, the beginning of a new year. And it's going to be just yours truly, Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson, all alone for the entire show. My brother has flown off to see my mom and dad in Texas. He's unavailable. And folks, I've had to suspend Jonathan Galt for social media violations of the company's social media policy. So you've asked for it. You've got it. Rojo unhinged for at least 60 minutes. I can't wait. Hopefully, I am still employed by my own company at the end of this. Oh, wait. I look at my video screen. Unfortunately, that's not true. I've decided not to suspend Jonathan Gold. I need his help. And then at the last minute, Weldon has decided that he is available, even though he is visiting the relatives. Guys, welcome to the last show of the year. Yeah, good riddance 2020. This was a roller coaster of an introduction for me. First, I think I'm suspended. Now I got my job back. I guess that's good news. I'm employed to start next year. Happy New Year, Jakarta. Happy New Year. It's already 2021 in many places as we're recording this. Robert dissing our podcast listeners down under as well. Folks, before we get to the get started on the show, John, we need to quiz you on a few things. Given the recent scandal in the woke world, your side of the aisle. John, are you actually from Great Britain? And is your name actually Jonathan, or could it perhaps be Jonia? What? <laughs> I'm from, yeah, I'm from Great Britain. I was born in Chertsey, Surrey, and I lived there for 10 years. Is, is this some sort of birther conspiracy? What's going on? I'm not sure if you're aware of Hillary or Hillary, Hillary Baldwin, who was supposedly from your neck of the woods in Boston, but then she's really from Spain, but she's not from Spain. I don't know if you're following this controversy. I, I just thought it was very similar to you, John. Someone from the Boston area who claims to be sort of from another country, but not really from another country. And I never thought to quiz you on where you're actually from. Well, now you know. John's apparently not married. My wife's into this one as well, Robert. I mean, it's big news. Alec Baldwin's wife embroiled in controversy. I've I've seen so I've seen sort of her name thrown out on Twitter, and then someone's just like, "Don't even bother looking up this story. It's stupid. Don't even get involved." So I've I've had enough silliness in 2020. Okay, speaking of Twitter, for subscribers, we're going to take a two or three minute detour here right now. I'm going to explain why I thought Jonathan Galt should have been suspended. Subscribers only. We're going to have this for about two minutes. All right. Now that we've not suspended John and subscribers have heard why, we're going to actually talk about running. We're going to talk about the year in review. I don't think we're going to make predictions for 2021 on this show. I think that'll come next week. Uh, we've got. Um, We'll probably share the most popular articles of Let's Run this year, the most, the best podcasts, stuff like that. It's going to be a great show. And oh my God, I've got some breaking news on my phone. I, I'll play that music in a minute. I don't want to leave the show with this, but well, and John don't know about this. This is this is huge. This is huge. That's all I have to say. That's coming up soon. All right. Well, you sort of caught me by surprise at the start of this podcast, Robert. So I'm going to catch you guys by surprise. I have come up with a quiz, 12 questions about the year in running 2020, one pertaining to each month. 
And I want to see how much the geniuses that run Let's Run.com know about what transpired in their area of expertise in 2020. Will you guys agree to take my quiz and to have your answers documented for posterity on the podcast live? Yes, we will, because it's too embarrassing. We can always delete it and say, and no one would know about this because you don't know how to get into the recording and upload it. But before, I would like to make a disclaimer. It's been a tough year. Weldon's had a baby. He's been up a lot, a lot. And if our knowledge is not as high as people would expect, we don't want people canceling their subscription. Wait, wait, wait. People should be lenient on you because your brother had a baby? That doesn't make any sense. That's an excuse for Weldon. What's no, your they, I'm just saying they shouldn't expect. Also, we're genetic equals. So it's not like you're really interviewing two people. You're really only interviewing one person. So one person couldn't possibly know everything that you had hours to research. This is a setup. I mean, this is going to be like Emperor Has No Clothes. We're going to be exposed here. If it goes south, I guess we could delete it or subscriber only, John. I he knows I don't have a great memory. I think I might have – I can maybe have a medical condition, ADHD. I should get tested for that. Okay, John. We agree. I think you guys can get about five of these questions. Okay. Speaking of being exposed, folks – the United States Postal Service has been exposed. I apologize if you've not gotten one of the T-shirts that you ordered, either as a VIP subscriber. If you want to become a subscriber, we've got a great deal. $75 for the year. You get the free T-shirt and the membership. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe. But some of the shirts that were sent on as early as December 17th still haven't gotten there. So please be patient. They'll be there shortly. I got my shirt, Robert. My parents have received the shirt. They picked me up at the airport with the letsrun.com bumper sticker on the back. That was a nice little addition to the package. It was packaged very nice. I know we give you a lot of shit, Robert, but it mine came. Speaking of shirts, should we do the breaking news right now? Because it kind of it kind of goes with the shirt. I think we should. And this is also going to get into my favorite topic, the vapor flies. Right as I was getting on this podcast, folks, I checked my I, I checked my phone. I'm not very good at checking emails or text. I received the following text. Happy New Year, Robert. I'm training for the marathon right now and just picked up the vapor fly. What an effing joke. He actually typed out the real word. I just did four kilometer repeats on the road at 450 per mile pace with a heart rate at marathon heart rate or even lower. So easy. Anyways, if I wear these shoes in my debut, I'll be saying goodbye to blank, my current sponsor. So I was thinking it'd be fun to wear the Let's Run singlet for my debut. Let me know if you want to chat about it. For now, I'm keeping this in the DL. So please don't tell anyone. Well, I just told the world, but I didn't. I, I kept it pretty anonymous, right? I mean, there's more than. How prominent is this athlete? Is this a recent college grad? Who is this, Robert? As I don't want blank my sponsor to know until it's 100% decided. I have written back and said, "Oh, baby, please wear these the singlet." I even offered. I said, "Why don't you just wear our super cool gold T-shirt? Just wear the T-shirt. It's perfectly designed for for a bib to go underneath it. This has got to happen, right?" Whoa! This is big news. And I'm even I'm, whoa, 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 whoa. So 450 paces, that's about 206 marathon pace if my math is done correctly here. So now I'm getting very intrigued. 
And you said you guys weren't going to do your wishes for your 2021 predictions. I want everyone to have a wish for 2021. You guys can think of yours. And my one wish for 2021 was, I'll just say it right now because it's related to this. And that's pretty much every shoe company that doesn't do it. This You could get great goodwill. There's some shoe companies out there that make great training shoes. And I think their racing shoes aren't up to speed in terms of these new super shoes. If you announced... And a few companies have done this, like On Running. Great publicity right there. Free publicity for On Running. We're going to let our athletes race in whatever shoe they feel most comfortable with. That would just be great publicity. Like, we stand behind the athletes. We want them to be the best. Because the actual racing shoes are just a, such a tiny segment of the population. And these the, the Nike ones, even at least, they don't last very long. Like, most people aren't running in those shoes. So I think... Shoe companies have a huge opportunity if if they would do that. I think the true runner would really stand behind and bond with that, those companies. More companies would do that. My wish for the year, Weldon, I think that's a dumb idea. My wish is that we actually fund the study that shows us which racing shoe is the best. And somehow World Athletics realizes this is a joke and it's unfair. People have to give up their sponsors to be competitive. So, and that's number one. We need to have Jeff Burns on this. We need to fund the study ourselves. And number two, you said 450 is 206 pace. It's not. It's 207.44. I would love it if somebody breaks 208 and the Let's Run singlet or Let's Run, Let's Run t-shirt might even be cooler. But uh, back to my text message that I got. I wrote back and said, hey, should we buy this guy also a pair of the Adidas to compare them to? I mean, how does he know? The, the Vapor Flies feel amazing. He might even be running 445 pace per kilometer or whatever it was. In the what do you say? Well, the pace? Said 445. He said 450 mile. Pace oh, yes, yeah. repeat, right? He might That's be running 445 pace in the data shoe. So, anyways, exciting news, though, right? Isn't that cool? And that is now, that the, now that the Let's Run shirts are out there, what, what's the rule? The first like 200 people to win a race with more than 20 people in it, you get a free shirt. No, it said if you ran a race, if you won a race in the t shirt. If you win a race with more than 20 people in it, you get your shirt for free. I didn't put a limit on how many. So I've got some cool t- cool sh- uh, pictures, by the way, people wearing their shirts. One guy is feeding his twins wearing the Let's Run.com t-shirt. It's amazing. Send them to shop at Let's Run.com, shop at Let's Run.com. Or if you want to talk about the podcast, shoot us an email, pod at Let's Run.com, pod at Let's Run.com, or call the show 844-LET'S RUN, 844-538. Seven seven eight six. All right, guys. Well, my wish, I'm going to share it real quick before we get to the quiz. 2021, I want to have the Olympic trials and I want to have fans at that meet. And I hope it's safe to do so and responsible to do so, you know, that we follow the science. But hopefully the vaccine has rolled out enough by then, by June, that we will have an Olympic trials at the new Haywood Field with stands. It's, it's going to be incredible if it happens. Oh, I about to say at the new Hayward Field, John, because Dallas Cowboys playoff hopes are still alive. John, we've been we've averaged twenty eight thousand fans a game this year. We're leading once again the NFL in something. This is great. Almost double the league, double the number two team. So I about to say if you want to have fans, maybe carve out the first two rows of Jerry World and put in a track because <laughs> he'll do it. Yeah. Well, the six and nine Dallas Cowboys who have the same exact record as the New England Patriots. Oh, sorry, no, 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 you guys are yeah, six and nine. Patriots is six and nine. Weldon's texting me saying the Patriots. Oh, I, my friend Cowboys fan is like, oh, I wish we weren't the Patriots. It's like we have the same freaking record. You just happen to play in the worst division in the history of football. But moving on 
to our 2020 quiz. So I think the way we're going to do this, we're going to operate on the honor system here because I can't just ask one of you guys and then ask the other one. I think I should just ask each of you. I'll give you a little bit to come up with your answer. And then you have to admit what your answer was, whether you knew it or whether you didn't. Hands up. So you're not Googling, Robert. Put your hands up. Wait, wait, wait. It's a, I thought we were... I was just like when Walter ran twenty out of six. I felt like I ran twenty out of six. I thought we were going to answer this together, like Team Johnson. Now it's no, that's lame. No, don't you want bragging rights over Weldon? No, I'll be exposed. You're both going to be exposed, hopefully. Okay. I had a travel disaster yesterday at JFK. Should I trash a certain airline right now or not? No, do not, do not. Okay, it might be a sponsor. (laughs) Okay, so question one. I'm ready for my first answer. This refers to January. Black Uh, Lives Matter. All right. Name the athlete who broke Galen Rupp's American collegiate indoor record for 5,000 meters by running 1316.95 in Boston. Okay. Rojo seems confident. Robert Welland, have you come up with an answer? You're good? All right. Robert, what is your answer? I don't know his name, but I know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't get credit for that. Weldon, can you give me a name? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, the show's I'm tired now, I think. I started to say Tyler Andrews. I think, I'm like, I mean, no, Tyler Day. Weldon's answer is Tyler Day. Robert, what is your answer? That's correct, because I was thinking of Matt Baxter. I knew it was one of the, I knew it was one of the NAU guys. I just couldn't remember his name. Tyler Day is correct. All right, the answer is Tyler Day. Weldon, you get a point. Robert, you get nothing for that. Sorry. I get one for that. You literally said you I couldn't remember run. his name and you thought it was going to be Matt Baxter. You do not get a point. It's get really point. bad. After all Hoka's done, he's a Hoka and AZ elite athlete this year, very supportive of the podcast. Robert, come on. It's like saying, it's like Colin Benny. <laughs> all right part of look i'm just saying you answered Marty, you answered that guy or um matt baxter on jeopardy you wouldn't get the point i'm sorry that's the ruling we're moving on to february okay in february paul chalimo called out lopez lamong for skipping usa indoors in his instagram post which featured a picture of chalimo and a lion chalimo wrote dogs compete at blank lions compete at championships fill in the blank Okay, John, I'm ready. I know this answer, and I think Robert's going to get so embarrassed here. He might lie and say he knew it, so he needs to go first. Right, Robert, you are answering question first. Repeat the question again, John. Right. In February, Paul Chalimo called out Lopez Lamont for skipping USA indoors. In his Instagram post, which featured a picture of Chalimo and a lion, Chalimo wrote, dogs compete at blank. Lions compete at championships. Fill in the blank. Dogs compete at Jerry Schumacher time trials with no fans. Mm, that's wrong. Weldon, what do you think? Husky invite. Yes. Uh. Weldon. Weldon two, Rojo zero. This is a trouncing so far. And that was, honestly, that was one of my favorite moments of 2020 is Chalimo just calling out Lopez Lamong and BTC for skipping USA indoors and running a time trial at the Husky invite. I thought it was awesome. Again, I again, I knew the spirit of what was happening. Just didn't have the details. I'm two for two. <laughs> okay. Robert's alternative to the line. All right. I think my family's calling. Got to go. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> well, then try to run out the clock here. Um, all right. March. The Tokyo Marathon was run on March 1st. I want you to give okay, either a male or female winner of that race. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'm feeling generous. I'll give you credit for last names. And Aga. 
Weldon says Legese. Robert, do you have a guess? Oh, you get male or female? He said Aga. I didn't think of guessing a random woman's name. I don't know who it is. I'm just, I mean, I don't think it was Garamu, but I, uh, it's, I'm going to say Garamu. No. Bahanu Legese did indeed win the Tokyo Marathon. He repeated. Uh, the women's winner was Lona Chimtai Solpeta of Israel. So, wow, this is crazy. I didn't expect I didn't expect to blow it like this. Weldon is three for three. Robert is zero for three. I wish they had a video on recording on this. They're going to add video. I'll admit, I, I, I think like it was great. Around. Dr. Happy. Artie Smith that once said Weldon is just a little bit better than Robert at everything. Not true. Not true. All right. Well, we'll move on to April. Robert, this this is a subject that's close to your heart. So I really do expect you to get this answer right. Uh, and actually, I'm only, I'm only awarding one point. I want how much did USATF report Max Siegel's 2018 salary as on their tax form for that year? Whoever is closest to the dollar amount gets the point. And I'll, you know what? I'll even let Robert go second so he can sort of price his right Weldon here. Weldon, what's your guess? I feel like it was a $1 million bonus, but they were saying it was like compensation that had to be. I feel like the total is $1.5 million. All right, Weldon guesses 1.5 million. So Robert, you basically just have to say, is it higher or lower than 1.5 million? Well, including the bonus, it was higher, but the actual salary was like 975,000. Wait, oh, I should, Weldon, were you guessing, let me clarify here. Weldon, were you guessing with the bonus included or not? I'm what, what they reported his 2018 salary. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit confused because I feel like his salary is just under a million and this is 1.5, but I thought it was like this almost every year. So I'm really confused what they're reporting. So- well, I'm, I'm including the bonus. Yeah, I'm going 1.5 was reported. It, it, like the entire... Okay. Yeah, I'm going higher than that. Yeah. It, including... So this is his total compensation. I guess I should have asked that. But Weldon says 1.5. Robert goes higher. His 2018 compensation was reported as $4,294,650. And... It's a little misleading because it includes $3 million in bonuses that's going to be paid between 2019 and 2022. But that was the number that was on his total compensation for their 2018 tax year form. So I'm awarding Robert the point there. Thank you. Three Three one. one. Sorry, Weldon. I I know that kind of got a little screwed up there the way I asked it, but we need to keep this thing interesting here. You know, we got a podcast to produce. All right. May. Another fairly simple one, or at least I would hope so. Name the Arizona high schooler who became the 11th high schooler to break four minutes in the mile. I'm seeing two okay. very puzzled no. expressions right now. I've got, I've got the last name now. All right. I accept last name only. Let me just, well, I'll give you a minute or two to think about it here. What, I don't he, think I where was this? Actually, I had a really good kick. He did. He closed in 5681. The meet was called the Quarantine Classico in California. I don't know. It's not Baxter, obviously. All right. Weldon doesn't know. Robert, what is your guess? It was not Nico Young. I think his last name is like Uh, Dolback or Doshback. You know what? I'll give you credit. It's Doshback. That's correct. Leo Doshback. Robert, this is, oh my God, this is the 2004 Red Sox of year-end quiz shows right now. Weldon had a 3-0 lead. It is now 3-2. We have seven months remaining of 2020. Okay. June, Christian Coleman was suspended for his third whereabouts failure in June. 
Coleman provided receipts for two stores slash restaurants while out Christmas shopping to you know help exonerate him. Name those two restaurants. This is oh, easy. Robert and I are fast this food. This is easy. It's connoisseurs. We know this shit left and right. What store he went to? That's way more important than okay, the okay, type you, ever yeah. The two stores. Well, then go Walmart ahead. Walmart and Chipotle. Yeah. Yes, I think he's got the order wrong. Now he went to Chipotle first, then Walmart. That is that is correct. So uh, both of you guys get points for those. Um, you know what? I I had to throw in. I was a little worried. I thought that you guys, I didn't know how well you guys do. I threw in a layup. That one I thought you guys would get. Well done. Uh, this next one is going to be tougher. July. What time did Noah Lyles run for 185 meters in Bradenton, Florida as part of the Weltclass Zurich Inspiration Games? I need, I want the exact, uh, I'll, get, I'll let you get it to the nearest 10th, but you need to get the 10th right. For 150 meters? 185 meters. Oh, this is when they thought he ran the world record? I think I'm ready. Oh. Okay. I'm ready. All right, Weldon, your guess. 18.91. Well, let me guess it's 18.91. Robert, what's your guess? I guess it wouldn't have been a big deal if it wasn't going to be under 19. I was going to say 19.05. 19.05. The correct answer is 18.90. Weldon gets the point there. So we're currently Again. Weldon five, Rojo three. Subscribers that listen to my rant, John is rewarding fake news. John is rewarding Weldon for understanding fake news. I don't pay attention to fake news. When I see fake news, whether it's from Dr. Fauci or Donald Trump, I call it out. Okay. Uh, Robert, we're only six months in, John. How do I have five and Robert three? Um, because there was one you guys both got credit for, and then there was another one where it just went to one of you guys was only part. I mean, I, that's the, that's the score, right? You know, you can add it up later, but I've been keeping track. Okay. August on launched a pro group in Boulder, Colorado in August. What is the name of that group? Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready too. This shows their PR guy, you know, is reaching out to us. I'm pretty sure I'll know this because they made an attempt to cultivate let's run. All right. Robert, your answer. The On Athletics Club. Well, then what's your answer? Yes. On Athletics Club. You're both correct. The score is now Weldon six and Robert four. Also, shout out to Olivier, founder of On. I was thinking about that. On was like a, I mean, On is killing it, first of all. It's with a fashion set here in Austin, like my parents, my dad was wearing Ons. But. I don't know. It's probably now almost like 10 years ago. I went to Olivier's house in Switzerland and he was showing me like how he started carving shoes out and stuff. So it's just kind of cool to see a shoe company that really started from one guy from scratch catching on. Okay. We're now into September. All right. On September 4th, Mo Farah broke his first official world record in Brussels. And it was in the one hour run. I want you guys to guess, tell me how many meters he ran in one hour. Whoever's closer gets the point. God. And since Weldon went first on the last one, Robert, you get you have to go first on this one. He's just going to copy me. Well, you had the advantage in the last one, so it's only fair he gets the same advantage this time. Okay. I I don't want him genius. I want him I want him I want him putting a number in his head right now. I want him putting a number in his head right now. 
No, he's get, he gets to say higher. Love it. You got to go higher or lower for the. Okay, I'm ready. Wait, wait, right. wait, wait. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> Twenty-one thousand four hundred. Whoa, whoa, said I wasn't ready, dude. Okay, go. Okay, so Robert's guess twenty-one thousand four hundred eighty-three meters. Weldon, what is your answer? Twenty-one thousand six hundred. Twenty-one thousand six hundred. Weldon one. It's higher than mine. Damn it. No. Robert, at this point, the answer is 21,330 meters. Yes. So Robert has pulled it back. It is now Weldon 6, Robert 5. We are heading into October. I want you to tell me Elliot Kipchoge's finishing position at the 2020 London Marathon. I'm ready for this. I got two things in my mind. Not sure of which. They're, these numbers are like they're like inverted of, of each other. It's either six or nine. Okay, I'm ready. All right, Ro- Robert's answer. You're saying eight, Robert. Yeah. Well then, six or nine. What are you saying here? Nine. Nine. Robert gets it. It was eighth. Spot on. He complained of an ear blockage. He ran two oh six forty nine. His second slowest marathon ever. We have a tie game with only two months left to play in the year. This is terrific, terrific theater, guys. I know everything about L.A. Kipchoge, folks. I designed two T-shirts, one supporting him and one bashing him. If you want to check them out, go to shop.letsrun.com. Okay, we are into November. In November, a 17-year-old ran 231.49 to set the U.S. women's junior record in the marathon. What was her name? I was all in about this story. I know where she goes to college. Hurry, I do too. I know where she goes to college as well. Her name is irrelevant. I'll just tell her this. Your accomplishment was great, but your name's irrelevant. I'm it's sorry. like whether Weldon runs 2807 or Robert. One of them did it. It doesn't really What's matter. What school did she go to, guys? Nevada, Reno. What did you say, Weldon? Utah. Utah. Utah, yeah. Robert's actually right. It's University of Nevada, Reno. Neither of you have given me her name, though. Do you have? Do you either have either of you have a guess? No, I do not. I have a guess, but it's first wrong. Name. Can I say like first name? Can I just do it with a girl's name? Like, it's a pretty unique name, so I don't think you're going to get that. Weldon, what do you think? Yeah, I had a name like Grayson thinking it through my head. It's some name like that, but it's not. It's not Grayson Murphy. Yeah, no, but it's like Who did go to Utah actually. So maybe that's what I was I'm like. It's this is how my mind thinks. I'm thinking like mountainous school, and I'm like not Grayson Murphy. Gosh. All right. The answer is Tiny Wolfgram. <sighs> We don't want to put too much pressure on these young women. So, you know. The lo- All right. The last question, there's a little bit of a twist. Do you guys have access to a piece of paper and a pen right now? I'm already saying in, in advance that my apologies. There's going to be very little editing of this podcast. I can get paper and a pen. All right. Please do that. This is the final month. This and is the count. final question. There are seven points available for this question. Oh, this is like Final Jeopardy. Wow. Yeah. Do I have to tell me how many I'm risking beforehand? No, no, no. There's no gambling. Uh, I'll I'll explain it once Robert once Weldon gets his materials. Okay, Weldon has the paper. Do you have a pen, Weldon? He has a pen. Okay. The question is as follows: Seven Americans broke two ten at the marathon project in December. I want you to name. As many as you can. You get one point per correct answer. I'm going to put one minute on the clock here. And once the minute's over, that's it. You know, whatever you have on your paper, you have to submit to me. Seven? I don't deal with B-teamers, John, but go ahead. 
Okay, I'm starting the clock now. 15 seconds remaining. I, I feel pretty decent about this. Oh, wait a second. Damn it. The Steve Scott, the guy we talked about in the podcast last week. I didn't even try. It's like the SAP. All right, right, time. That is time. When you I have want a, you guys. When you have a block and you just panic and you, and you run out of the LSAT or SAT. That's what I did. I didn't even try. What do you mean you didn't try? You didn't get one? You must have gotten it. All right, Robert, I want you. All right, let's start with. I tried to make a joke earlier in the podcast about Martin Benny. Marty Benny and Colin Hare, but the joke I said it backwards. I got them obviously. So you all right? You got Martin Hare and Colin Benny. That's two. I got Noah Drotty, my boy. That's He's three. Much one fan, and that's it. So Robert got three. Okay, so that takes him to nine. Remember, we were tied going into this final question. So Weldon needs to get. I see the list. Pull it down oh, a little oh, bit wait, more. Oh, no, I got, I got that is, Wait, wait, wait. Let me see it. Martin Hehe, Noah Jordy, Scott Fable, Scott Smith, Colin Benny. Weldon gets five of the seven. You guys both missed Mick Iacofano and Ian Butler. I apologize to Ian Butler. He was on the podcast last week. I mean, we talked about him. Well, I Robert, met we also Michael had Hayes Scott Fable on the podcast last week. And then Scott Smith is a giveaway. It's like the same training group. Well, all right. The final results are in in the year-end quiz of 2020 it is weldon 11 rojo 9 congratulations weldon you win nothing yeah Thank well you. weldon kisses up to our corporate sponsors and knows their their people's names and is rewarded i am having guys run 208 under the let's run singlet perhaps in night shoes if, if my if my guy runs faster than all these americans that'll make I, an interesting question for the 2021 quiz. Okay. i'm sorry robert <laughs> Weldon's the champ. Thank you, Hoka and AZ Elite. Thank you, Hoka Oneone, for your sponsorship of Let'sRun.com. We did some cool stuff at the start of the year. And also, is it any coincidence that the most interesting group in America, do they work with Let'sRun.com? I don't think so. And it pays off in the year-end trivia quiz. All right, Rojo, do we want to go through most read articles of the year? Do you have anything you want to talk about this hellish year yes i actually do while we're talking about the marathon project on last week's podcast john we spent a lot of time debating what do these sub 210s mean you know is the u.s back and i claim that we're not really back but i still am a huge fan of, of marty here but one thing i don't think we talked about was did we talk about this if we did we don't need to talk about it again but when i was talking to john Kelly about marty Hare, i did say you know like Back in the day, of when was 209 competitive? And he's like, well, Frank Shorter never ran 209. And I said, well, if he raced Frank Shorter, who would win? And originally he said, oh, Shorter. But then he paused. He's like, wait a minute. Shorter never broke four in the mile. He's a 402 guy. Marty ran 359. So, at least in John Kellogg's mind, Marty Hare is almost as good as Frank Shorter. Well, I think if you put Frank Shorter in his shoes against Martin Hare here and in his shoes, Martin Hare would win. But, I mean, Frank Shorter was very good. and I mean, Frank Shorter ran 27.45 in the 10K. I mean, he's he's no joke. I think put him in the shoes today, put them in equal shoes in 2020, I think Frank Shorter wins. Yeah. I, I agree. It's so interesting. And one other thing I have talking about super shoes is 
Do you guys really think Elliot Kipchoge is any better than than, than Halicapistolesi at the marathon? To me, and, and I, I was making this point on the, on the message board last week. What did John would probably know this stat? This is your your end quiz, John. Before the Super Shoes, what was Elliot Kipchoge's marathon PB? Before the program. 204 flat from Berlin in 2015, where his insoles were flapping out of the back of his shoes. And that actually was a, a first version of the prototype, I think. But yes, I basically say 204 flat. And John, what was Halligabasolis' PR, by the way? 203.59. But Halligabasolis lost a bunch of marathons. Well, I know. He kept choking. more consistent. But it's kind of like there's only so fast you can run on the track, you know, 1235, 1236, 1237. There's only so fast you can run on the, you know, roads. And before these shoes, it was roughly 204 flat. Yes, a few guys did run faster. I think the guys that ran 203.30, then they all end up getting popped for drugs. Dennis Kometo, Wilson Kipsang, anyone else? Wait, has Dennis Kometo been popped for drugs? No. Okay, so back that off. Retraction. Hi, let's run.com lawyer here. Dennis Cometto has never been popped from drugs. Carry on. And that brings me to my other thing. My year-end, uh, folks, I know that I had just had a tough, pointless quiz that I could have won if I had access to Google. There's no reason to memorize names anymore because you have Google. <laughs> I could have beaten him if I cheated. That's what you're saying. It's right, Robert. They're changing medical school training. Doctors used to just have to memorize stuff, and now they just look it up on a phone. Yeah. Wasn't that fun, though? It was fun. But, folks, I, I found this study. It actually was out in May, but I only came across it last week. I put it up on the message board on December 24th. Cornell researchers have just have, have done a study. They, the vapor flies improve men's times from 2.1 minutes to 4.1 minutes in the marathon. Women improved by 1.2 to 4 minutes. So, very interesting scientific paper that looks sort of at elite times. That's what they've come up with, which proves my thing that Kipchoge is really not much better than Gebbesolesi at the marathon. Certainly more consistent, but not all that much faster if you factor in these shoes. But can we get like a golf clap for me, please? Do you guys know that I played an instrumental role in the study being done? No one even told me. I, I randomly came across this study. I put it up on the message board. There's now five pages of discussion. And one of the researchers, someone's like, hey, Roger, do you realize you're in the notes of the study? I said, no, I did not. And then one of the researchers is like, oh, yes, Robert was actually quite helpful. I don't know why they didn't bother to, to write me, let me know about the study, nothing. But my article, my article on the Vaporflies, where I pointed out how Nike camouflaged the shoes in 2016 to make them look just like the other flats, was instrumental in the study because they had to figure out which were, people were actually wearing the vapor flies in these races and which people were not wearing the vapor flies. So, folks, scientific researchers are coming to me for my expertise. Are they doing that for you, John? I don't think so. Weldon, I don't think so either. And that brings me, John, yes, the most read article in all of 2020 in Let's Run.com. I write what? One tenth, one twentieth of the articles of John but I write the most popular article of the year. It's official. Nike's Vaporfly shoe technology and world athletics shoes rules have ruined the marathon, at least temporarily. That article has gotten 40% more views than anything Jonathan Galt wrote. How do you feel, Jonathan? I'm happy that the sites, I'm happy that that article did well. If the 
people are reading your work. It means they're coming to Let's Run. It means they're helping to pay my salary. So I'm happy for you, Robert. John seems to think it's all about like people actually clicking on it. I think it's more about Google picking the winners and losers to some extent. John, do you have any idea what your most popular article was of 2020? Well, I, I can see the Google Doc here. So I'm guessing it was the Martin Hehe taking a bathroom break and still finishing sixth at the Olympic trials. Yes, John. Folks, John wrote like profiles of lots of stuff in the year, but his most popular article was despite bathroom break, Marty Hare ran two minute PBR to finish sixth at the Olympic trials marathon. Didn't we get the word backwards? Olympic trials marathon. Isn't it Olympic marathon trials? Wow. Anyways. Other- well, actually, the, so the official name of the event is the 2020 U S Olympic team trials uh, dash marathon, okay. but we all call it the Olympic marathon trials here. So while we're reading these, let me show other popular articles on the year. 2019 World 400 Meter Champion Sally Ida Nasser has busted for missing three drug tests. Her agent says she had no idea. She was popped until Let'sRun.com told her. Um, what no one is telling you about, Caster Semenya. She has XY chromosomes. That article is from several years ago, but I'm the only one willing to tell to mention that in mainstream media. So it keeps getting picked up by people trying to find out what's going on there. Pro runner salaries. How much do professional runners make? That's also from several years ago. That was at the top of the homepage, though, in the header for the whole year, most of the year. Um, that got a lot of things. Ex-Harvard Spinner. Yes, Harvard Spinner is suspended for an anti-doping violation. That article in Gabby oh, the Thomas. The Gabby Thomas story. Oh, really? I think the Harvard. Page- I wrote the headline, John. It's all about the headline, getting the Harvard in there, bashing the elites. I wrote this one, too. Killian Jornet's 24-hour record attempt doesn't even last 11 hours. Ends up with him spending the night in the hospital. That- there's no way that one made near the top. People, no, people love Gillian Jonay. Well, that doesn't surprise me. And there was a Michael Norman story. Ellie, remember Ellie Perrier? I think there's actually- I do. Actually, I was considering asking a question about her to see if you guys remembered she broke the American record in the mile indoors. Uh, what, do you think you would have been able to remember that? Well, I think I would have because I've been researching this, but I think the silence is deafening. <laughs> Would she run? 41685. Wow. That's like a 357 or something? 358, 1500? Yeah, it was was really good. I mean, she's going to be, she's, I mean, she made the world championship final last year in the 5000, but obviously she's a serious contender in the 1500 as well. But, oh, she got really good. I forgot about that in the 2019. But what'd she do for during pandemic? Anything? I don't even remember her racing. I think she did a couple time trials, like an 800 time trial or something. But I'm looking at her results. She has one result. She ran a 1500 in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Oh, no, she had two. Sorry. She ran two flat in 800 in Connecticut in July. And then four flat, 0.77 for 1500 in Wellesley in August. Connecticut, John. That's my new home state. Oh, well, yeah, you Ignoring your journalistic duties. She was out there racing and you're just sitting at home with your feet up. Quarantining, John, quarantining. So do we want to keep talking about the year as a whole and go month by month? Or do we want to talk about a few things that happened last week? Uh, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened. I feel like I feel like we just talk about some of the stuff. There was actually some news this past week. I feel like we go with that. And then if there's anything at the end we want to highlight from 2020, we can do that. But Okay. I've got three orders from last week that were interesting to me. One, did you guys see Jacob Ingebrigtsen? I mean, 
I, I talked about it last week on the podcast. I even had to interrupt her. If you haven't listened to the Sarah Hall interview and the Marty Hare interview, they were great interviews. We gave you a super long podcast last week. Go back and listen to them. But at one point, Sarah Hall acted like she wasn't talented. And I, I just had to interrupt her and say, it's official, folks. No runner thinks they're talented. I mean, this is a woman who was a national champion in high school saying she's not that talented. And then last week, we had it as quarter of the day in Let's Run. Jacob Ingebrigtsen, the kid who was breaking four minutes in the model at like age 16, He's like, yeah, you know, back when I was six, people were saying I was way more talented than them, but I'd already run 10 times as much as them. Dude, get over it. You're way more talented than most people. Yes, you've been training for a super long time, but at age six, I mean, I don't know. Like part of the reason, but people don't realize is one thing that motivates you to train more is also when you're actually naturally better than everybody else. So it's easy to practice when you're getting a big reward from it. But did you guys not think that quote was ridiculous? I didn't see the quote, but... Anyone who runs 328 at age 19, I don't care how hard you've been training, you have to have a ridiculous amount of talent to be able to do that. John, I just was all hard work. I mean, very few people can prove that they don't have talent, but I have a genetic equal, and you can compare his PBs versus mine, and that's, I mean, you can't say I'm, I'm, it's just genetics with me, baby. John did not read the quote of the day. Here it is. I am, it's from Jacob Mason I was running professionally since basically I was born. You were not born with talent. When I was four, five, and six years old, this is four years old. He's <laughs> people said I had more talent than them, but I had run maybe 10 times more than the people I was competing against. I took every race very seriously. So at age four, he's run 10 times more than everybody else. Who's even training at age four? Dude, that's- this is absurd. Wait, he's complaining. I can't believe and then he That's said- actually absurd. He was saying that four-year-olds, not only was he training, but he trained more than these other four-year-olds to have more natural talent. That's just a ridiculous I situation. Train- and he's training 10 times as much. Like at four, what? Like, like no one trains at four. You could run a quarter mile and then you're training 10 times as much. I mean, it's like, it's not like you're training that much. You can't, oh, I'm working so much harder. Cause you like you one time at once a week jogged to 400 <laughs> and little Johnny down the street ran a hundred with his daddy. I mean, like, come I'm not on. Even, I'm not even done with the course. I, t- I took every race seriously, even if it's not important. And I know it's not important. Yeah. It's yeah. Really important to win. Oh, anyways. So, and then he says in our family, it's not running that's our passion. It's winning. I don't agree with that. What do they win? Most, most of the time, they're, they're losing races. But anyways, ridiculous quote of the year. There goes to Jacob. It doesn't mean that I'm not a fan, but dude, you guys are super, super talented. I mean, the whole family's good. I guess you could say, oh, they all train. But no, I, to me, like when the father's in the NBA and the son's in the NBA, it's clearly a sign of talent. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. And I love watching Jacob. I, you know, we're not trying to, you know, Totally rip him here. I do think the quote is pretty funny, but yeah, he's an awesome guy to watch. Isn't it Jakob? Uh, yeah, I, I've heard, but I've heard like Norwegians call him Jacob. I feel like so. I don't. I need to. We need to get an official ruling on him. Is it Jakob or Ye- Jacob? But okay. moving on, Rojo. My other topics of interest. Um, last week it came out that Ryan Hill will be leaving the Bowman Track Club. And actually, can I try to embarrass Weldon? Weldon. When I say Ryan Hill, give me some of his credentials. Like, what are his PRs? Ryan Hill went to NC State. He was pretty good a couple of years ago. I don't know what's happened to him. He's probably run like his best is probably a three k. He's probably run like a seven thirty three k, something really good like that. He made a world's team at five k, I think. No, he didn't medal at a world indoors, did he? That would be crazy. 
Yes, he did. 2016. Well, oh, that's impressive. Uh, what what he nailed his 3K PR. What do you guess his 5,000 PR is, Walden? It's got to be 13 13. Uh, I don't know. His actually might be higher than some of those other guys, right? It's got to be like 1302. Wow. Well, we'll read it. The Battleman Tracker put out a very, very nice Instagram quote. Ryan Hill is leaving the group. He is going to go sign with the Puma group that is going to be coached by Alistair Craig. That's not official, Robert, but uh, it seems like pretty obvious. But I thought this – I've never seen an Instagram post so nice. I mean, he must really be beloved by Jerry. With great sadness, we must announce that Ryan will be leaving the BTC for a new team and sponsor in the 2021 season. In his seven years as the Bowerman, Ryan ran 13.05 for 5,000, 7.30 for 3,000. He was the three-time national champion, made four world championship teams. Is that four in cutting indoors? And won the silver medal in the 2016 World Indoor. He is not only he's embodied our commitment not only to world class performance but to building the broader running community. He spent many a rainy Portland night coaching our East Side youth group and helped launch our first ever BTC summer camp. As our foremost Jerry impersonator, he is truly irreplaceable in so many ways, both on and off the track. We will miss him, Ryan's talent, dedication, and humor. Working side by side with someone for years, sharing sacrifices, struggles, triumphs, and laughter, you develop a special bond. That bond makes it very painful to part ways, but it's also how you know that your connection will endure. Good luck, buddy. We're going to miss you. That'd be really yeah, it, was, it was beautiful. Uh, I, I, it actually gets to a question I've been wondering for a while, is who handles the Bauman Track Club social media accounts? My, my working theory is that it's Chris Derrick. I feel like he's been around the team long enough. He has a good sense of going what's going on. And he's, he's been around, he joined the team around the same time as Ryan Hill. So I guess they're fairly close. That's my assumption. But I, if you guys know anyone who's listening to this, who knows who operates the social media accounts for Bauman, I want you guys to reach out. Let me know what your theories are. Or if you know, well, that, know that, the answer. that theory is a pretty good one. It might explain how Derek still has a Nike contract despite not, having any significant running accomplishments. And wow, we praise probably, how nice this writing is. And then you just go take a dump on Chris yeah, Derrick. No, let's go with the Reds right in high school. He tried to talk to you in high school, Robert. And maybe, you, know, you just, maybe, maybe they're going with the Tracksmith, you know, sponsorship model. You work a job on the side sort of anyways, but um, I'm just kidding. We like this. By the way, do you, maybe we, we should hire, maybe Ryan, do we have the, when this podcast first started going weekly, what a year or two ago, like the first or second episode, we had a fake – it was a fake Gallon Rupp or a fake Alberto. Do you remember who called in to the show? It was one of those. Do you think it was Ryan Hill? If he can do impersonations, maybe we should hire him. He could be our fake Jerry from now on. Oh, damn it. He's, this isn't the guy who's running the marathon in, uh, in Let's Run Singlet? I mean, he hasn't run a marathon before. He said his debut. He's pretty good. Well, guess that's one guy out. Yeah, we've been trying to. We want Jerry on the podcast, but I guess we could just settle for Ryan Hill. He'll clearly be wanting to talk. He'll be signing with a new group, so he'll come on, get free publicity, and we'll make him do fake Jerry. That's interesting. I'm actually. This gets to a larger topic, though. It's something that's sort of been brewing that hasn't been addressed, but we're going to. This is going to be a storyline in January. I is. People's contracts are expiring. There are a bunch of athletes. It's a, the end of what was supposed to be an Olympic year. And there may be some belt tightening across the industry if we don't know what's going to look like next year. I think there are going to be a lot of sort of veteran pros. And this happens every year. It's not always talked about because they don't just come out and always announce at the end of the year. But it's there's certainly some notable names whose contracts will be expiring. It's going to be interesting to see where they land. You know, Ryan Hill, it looks like he's going to be with that new group uh, down in Chapel Hill, which Taylor Warner is joining. But, 
you know, there, there are certainly some other names out there that we'll see trickling out where they end up. Are they going to continue you know, as a pro? Are they going to go it alone? I, I'm just kind of curious. It's going to be a shakeup over the next couple of months as we find out who has a contract for 2021 and who doesn't. Yeah, someone on the message board was talking about Hill, and they said, you know, America needs a bunch of more 206 marathoners. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to do that. I was like, there's no reason? Like, sure, 206 now is like 209, but there aren't that many Rod Dixons. I mean, Ryan Hill was like NCAA runner-up in the mile. Like, this is a miler going to have the range all the way up to the marathon. I mean, I know that some people can go all the way from the mile to the marathon, like Mo Farah, but not that many people have that type of range. No, I mean, he, his best event was a 3K. He was a great 3K runner, but do, is he going to run 206 in the marathon? I mean, there are three Americans ever who have run 206 in the marathon, well, so I, mean, I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, I and I don't think it's an insult to say he won't. I agree with the sentiment, though. Like, how many Japanese guys have run under, what is it, 208 this year? Like, Scott Fobble was on our podcast last week, and he's like, I'm not sure if I'm a 207 guy. I'm like, didn't Japan have, like, 10 207 guys in one race or seven or five or something like who, if a guy of Ryan Hill's talent, if he focused on the marathon, he should be a 206 guy. And then you guys were mentioning Chris Derrick, like he was phenomenal in college. I mean, it's talking about contracts, not getting renewed. Is he still going to be with BTC? I don't see how he can keep his contract either. Like he's done even less recently. I feel like, I mean, Chris Derrick should be a 206 marathoner. I think his marathon career has probably been the most disappointing, surprising to me. All right, you guys. All right, f- well, first of all, Chris Derek's had some injury issues. I did think he'd be a little better. In the- I thought he'd be built suited for the marathon too. But you're throwing out 206 like this is easy. Like just because a bunch of people in Japan can do it well. I mean, Ryan Hill's PR in the 5,000 is 1305. That's faster than the national record of Japan. You're just saying everyone in Japan should be able to run 1305, no problem. I, I just don't – I think there are different emphases. And certainly the way he's been training, I just don't think – I just think it's ludicrous to say these guys should be running 206. It's not that hard anymore with the shoes. It's still incredibly hard. I agree 100% with you, John. That's why I was bringing up the guy in the message board I was making fun of. I couldn't believe that they said that. We're just not as good. I don't know if it's genetic. I think it probably is. Americans at the marathon, we're weaker at that than we are the other events. And we need to look no farther than Weldon Johnson himself. This is a 2806 guy. How was his marathon PR when he paced Paula Rackham? Walden basically ran 215 pace. I think he ran 216 that race. When he actually ran a marathon, he could never do it. I mean, based on your 10K, Walden, you should have been running 214. You're just like Derek, but a slower version of it. So you can't 214, how insulting. I should have run like 211, 212. With super shoes, that'd be 208 or something. Right. So, I mean, right, you should have, but you didn't do it. So it's it just, it's. We can Weldon say, would have, this is what Weldon's claiming he would have won the marathon project if he had the super shoes. That's what he's saying. Uh, What's Martin Hayer's 10K PB? I wish Chris Foss could... Foss than yours. Is it? Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think it is. Oh, I think it is. He's he's broken 28, hasn't he? 2808, baby. I think mine is 2806. I stand corrected. I'm sorry I doubted you. You still wouldn't have won the marathon project, but 2806 is still impressive. I wish we could get Chris Fox on this podcast and have him speak his true truth. If he if he raised Marty in his prime at the marathon, in the super shoes, and coaching himself now, knowing what he knows about coaching, who would win? Oh, we'll never know. Anyways, another we story. Chris Fox on the podcast. I feel like Chris would, would come on if we invited him. 
I know, but he's not going to answer that question necessarily. Oh, no. my! Oh, Marty's so much better than I am. Of course, blah blah blah. Coach speak. Yeah, yeah. We got to ask him this at NCAA's or the trials or something at a bar. Then he'll really answer it. Anyways, another story from last week caught my attention. Well, Weldon's talking about the Japanese. Weldon doesn't seem to recognize that they're way better at the marathon than they are at the 5K and 10K. On the women's side, did you guys see this? Hanami Sakini, 24. She's 24. She ran 223 in the marathon. Um, 2018, so at age 22, she's already retiring because of career-ending injuries. Seems bizarre to me. And she's issued a statement saying that she hopes she has the same dedication and success she does. She's going into childcare work. Like, I don't know, man. I'd like to see her stick it out for a few more years. But it's really fresh. There's nothing worse trying to run when you're injured. I was there. Walden likes to make fun how slow I was. But when you're when you're hurt, you just want to say, screw it. Anyways, that was an interesting story. But the other story, Brenda Martinez, the former World's 800 medalist from the United States, she tested positive but was cleared after USA track and field find out that, that she had some sort of um, – the legal substance and her thing that, what do you call it, John? The thing that like, so she had a prescription medication and this uh, prohibited substance was not included. It was, it was not listed as an ingredient. So she thought it was fine. The substance was hydrochlorothiazide and she was cleared because she essentially provided, she said, look, here's the medication I was taking. They tested it. They found that there were actually amounts of this substance in there, even though it wasn't declared. So they said they gave her a no fault finding. She doesn't get suspended or punished or anything. Yeah. And the substance is just like a diuretic, which dilutes your sample. But anyways, I don't know, like USA DA sent out a press release and where they quote Travis Tigert saying that another athlete was unjustly charged. I didn't like that language at all. I'm glad that Brenda got off. I think that she should get off. Well, how was she unjustly charged? They have this rule that you can't have this diuretic in your system for a reason. She has it in her system, so she was properly charged. They then look up what substances did she list on her form. She listed her substances properly. One of them was this thing that she needs for a medical condition. They actually test that substance and find out that it should be in there. So People are like, oh, now there's a black stain in her name. I think it's good that it was publicized because now future athletes will know not to take this prescription drug. Or USADA or WADA will know to change the rules and allow this drug to be in your system or it's not a big deal. But I don't think she was unjust in charge in any shape of the, fa- of the fashion. Well, I think what Travis Tiger wants is he wants, instead of just automatically charging someone when it's a low-level amount of something like this where it could be contaminated he wants to start an investigation and then if they can kind of conclude that actually you know wasn't a contamination case then they go ahead and charge her i think it's sort of it's a little bit semantics here but it's also he he's worried and i think there is a worry on behalf of athletes that brenda martinez's come name come out comes out here and if you read the details of the close case there are a lot of reasonable people i think would conclude she's innocent here she got unlucky there are some people who are going to hear Brenda Martinez, you saw the case that there's always going to be an association in their mind about this. And the debate here is, do you publicize this with all the facts as they did? Or do you just keep it in the dark because she wasn't, she actually got off with, with this contamination explanation. 
do you even not publicize it at all? I do err on the side of, of publicizing it. And I think most informed people can make, you know, can understand what happened in this situation. But I think that's something that athletes worry about is their reputation taking a hit when their name comes out in one of these USADA things. Yeah, I think all tests should be positive. I think more stuff should be released, period, in general. Or maybe if not, you would need some clearinghouse. All the results go to them. Because otherwise, how do you know they're not covering stuff up? I think an A test positive should be announced. Like, how do we know the system isn't being cheated? So, oh, we have more confidence in the U.S., but if they can do, quote, private investigations, uh, I don't know how – like, there needs to be some oversight of this stuff in general. So I think disclosure, unfortunately, might be the only way to do it. I don't know but because I think maybe other countries don't operate this way. If anyone's got a better way to do this, email us, pod at letsrun.com. Guys, can we turn to your your end of the review article? I should say, I said yours. I guess I should say ours. It's the Let's Run.com awards are here. Best runner, best comeback, best biggest disappointment, most inspirational, and more. Yes, Weldon, I, I'm well. I welcome any and all feedback on this. We've already received some feedback on it, but I don't know if Robert knows. We've seen some received some. Hot opinions from a prominent person. More breaking news, more breaking news, more breaking news, folks. As we're recording this podcast, Paul Chalimo is going for the U.S. 10,000-meter record on the roads. John, what is the record? 27.48. Do you think he got the record? I have the results. Since he got beat by Mason Furlick in a cross-country 10K a month ago, I'm going to say no. Please give me his predicted time. 28-28. John is correct. Paul Chalimo has finished third at the San Silvestri Vallecano. See, John, if you were a Spanish speaker like your Hilaria Baldwin, you'd be saying it better than I am. Anyways, he's run third. He's finished in third place in 28-14. The winner did run 27-41. So if he just stuck with the winner, he could have had the record, but he did not. Who won the race? Daniel Samuel Abinu. Anyways, back to what you were saying, Weldon. So the men's distance run of the year, Joshua Chaptegai, double world record holder. I don't think that's too controversial. Probably an easy pick. Women's distance run of the year. That's good to see this one. Perez, Jip Church here. She's finally getting the dude that she deserves. I didn't realize, you know, before she gave birth in 2017, 2016, she was world champ and ran 6506 half marathon in 2017. And this year, she pretty much just crushed everything. World half marathon title with a world record, 6516, a woman's only world half marathon record before that. And then Valencia marathon champ in 217. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. I guess Letson and did break the 5,000-meter world record. And you guys pointed out how a couple entities ranked Helen O'Berry and Sifan Hassan ahead of G'day. That's effing nuts. Robert has been complaining about that to me for about two weeks. I think justifiably so. So, yeah, he uh, he put that in there. Men's distance run of the year, Donovan Brazier. No U.S. men's. There. U.S. men's. Yeah, excuse me, U.S. men. There's a little controversy here. The Women's U.S. Distance Runner of the Year. We went with Sarah Hall. And it was pitted as a competition between Sarah Hall and Shelby Houlihan. Houlihan, 
broke the 5K American record. But Hall, with her London Marathon runner-up finish in Marathon Project 2-2032 win, got the nod. And Robert, we've received major complaints last night. They've been left you off of this. Do you have any idea why? Well, the more I wrote about it, the more I thought we should give it to Houlihan. I mean, she won two U.S. indoor titles indoors, two U.S. indoor titles, 1,500 and 3K. She ran 14.23, which is probably pretty close to about a 2.21 marathon. And she didn't bomb a huge race. Like, Sarah Hall dropped out of the biggest race of the year. No, Robert, that is not it. The complaint we've received, and we said we can go on the record with this, is from the great Holly Kofleski, Meb's brother and agent. And anytime I joke, Holly will write us like with Meb. We would predict Meb to get like fourth place in a race or not do well, and like Meb would win the Boston Marathon or he'd win the New York City Marathon. And Holly would be like, you guys keep underestimating Meb. We're like, oh, Meb's not fit. Holly's like, Meb doesn't race unless he's fit. And Meb would like complain. Year after year, time after time, prove us wrong. And here is a text I have received. Happy holidays, Weldon and Jonathan. You know I respect both of you and always take time to give you credit where credit is due. As you know, I am quicker to give credit than to criticize. But I must say, I was very disappointed to read this 2020 recap and not see the name Alephine mentioned in the article. Dot, dot, dot. The champion of your, quote, event of the year. One of the biggest, quote, stories in running, and her name is not even mentioned in the year-end recap. I will take credit that comes under the Let's Run brand, but guys, I did not write this article. I will throw you under the bus. Please respond to Holly's allegations. Well, first of all, he didn't text me, so he says he respects your work. He must not respect mine. Now, that's a good. <laughs> what do you mean? Did we mention the men's marathon? We didn't mention Galen Rupp, did we, John? We we mentioned him. We it, like we mentioned. I actually read through the article and across all of the other awards, we did at least mention the names of five of the six 2020 U.S. Olympians in the marathon. Uh, the only one we did not mention at all was Alephine Tuliamak. I stand by our take that Sarah Hall. Uh, or so I think it's Houlihan or Hall is really it's pretty clear argument between those two. I get that Alephine did beat Sarah Hall in a bigger race, but she didn't do anything beyond then. Sarah Hall raced a lot and did a lot of impressive performances. I don't have an issue with that. I do think it is an oversight not to at least mention Alephine's name in the recap. I agree, she was a big story in 2020, and there's a lot of the ground to cover, but I was surprised. I was like, really, we didn't even mention a name, so I- I'll take the L on that one. Now, there was, it was kind of funny because I got Howie's text before I'd read the article, full disclosure, because I was traveling. I really enjoy most of the article, but like, there's a whole section here. Most dis- disappointing performance of the year. Four of the big five women bomb at the Olympic marathon trials. So you guys have mentioned the women bombing. You don't mention Alephine's name of winning and having like such a big breakthrough race. Because that wasn't the point of that picture, but yeah, I mean, it could have gone out of our way to mention her. And so I... I know I knew you guys were debating between those two, and I was like, yeah, go for it. But you guys have to admit, on the Monday morning call, the other angle I put out was we all pick our runners of the year. And who did I say my runner of the year would be? You said it would be Alephine Tulliamup, but you gave her credit for having a baby, which I think is a great life accomplishment. Which, But to me, that doesn't make her any better of a runner than anyone else. Okay, fair enough. She won the biggest event of the year, the Olympic Marathon Trials. There's no question in my mind, Sarah Hall. She didn't win the biggest event of the year. The biggest event of the year was the London Marathon or the Valencia Marathon. 
biggest U.S. event of the year, no question. Sarah Hall would trade her year 100% for would trade Alephine's year for hers 100% of the time. There's no debate about that. You guys all agree with that? Yes. No doubt about that. But she's not the U.S. runner of the year. You're going to give a 220. What's she run? 227 in the marathon, John? What was the time? Yeah, 227. 227 in the marathon. It's going to be better than a 1423, 5,000. Get over it, Weldon. She's not the runner of the year. She... She's That's what this award is. This year. award is for the best U.S. runner of the year. And I think Alphine's great. She's a great story. If you want to call her a story of the year, absolutely. That's fine. But My female athlete of the year. She's my female athlete of the year. And come next year, assuming she can make it to the Olympics, but you win the trials, then the pandemic created an opportunity for her where she could have a baby before the Olympics. Come Tokyo 2021, if she runs the thing after having pregnant, she will be like tons of publicity. I don't get it. Well, Weldon acts like today show, all this other stuff. People will be like Sarah who, Oh, the second all time fastest marathoner. No one will even know who she was. Cause she won't be in Tokyo. And a week after the Olympics, they're not going to remember how Alphine Tulmec is Weldon either. I think it's great that you have a child and you're into the end of the child ring. And this is why I've just tried to defend women's sports forever. Women are uniquely designed to have a baby and it's amazing. It's great that she's actually having one. And it, it, it's, it's a great story, but Weldon, Billions of people have babies. This is not going to make, you know, I, I think you're overplaying this a, a little bit, just a tiny bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because like Robert, as you pointed out, Marty here should have been all over. Well, you said good morning, America, but the Today Show, NBC Olympics, do you think they would, they would, t- you think they would hype that up that this guy okay. has COVID? But then we're also won the marathon project, but they didn't. We're- and but also he's not going to be at the Olympics, so they really don't think outside of the Olympics itself. And she wouldn't be on the Today Show if the Today Show wasn't an NBC thing to begin with. But in fairness, when John wrote the article, there was no mention of Molly Seidel either. The article was basically published, and then I decided to add in the inspirations of the year: Abdi Abdurrahman and Kira D'Amato. And in the last paragraph of that last segment. I added in back then Molly Seidel was just five years old back in 2000 when Abdi first made the Olympic team. There's no mention of Molly Seidel making the Olympic team. The only reason why I put her in there is because I was trying to find an Olympian that was young, the youngest Olympian. So we didn't have Molly Seidel in there who was, you know, getting a lot of publicity too. So I don't want to get any emails saying it was because Alephine is Kenyan born and Seidel's white. I was looking for a young person. Neither Seidel or Tulmak was in because we were looking for the winners of the award. We weren't looking to name everybody who made an Olympic team at the end of the year results. And we did name, we mentioned Sally Kipiego's name in there and she was obviously born and raised in Kenya as well. Uh, Robert, I'm going to recycle an old bit from the let's run.com podcast. It's Molly Seidel. That's how you pronounce her name moving forward in 2021. She will be at the Olympics. Molly Seidel. That's the correct pronunciation. I was very pleased. That guys, I really like the article. I'm not. I don't want to be too critical here. I just love calling Robert out sometimes. I loved this part. Comeback runner of the year. It was a nice touch because that was not discussed on the Monday call. Trayvon Brumell. The guy is an absolute warrior. I thought his career was over, but 2016 Olympics. That guy competed with a bad Achilles, and it almost ruined his career. But he came back. And he could be your 2021 Olympic 100-meter champion. Well, I thought you were going to tell the mix zone story of him being carted off in the wheelchair and coming through the mix zone. That's like if Robert has a go-to of like we need to get this shoe study and have Jeff Burns on the podcast or that sort of thing. <laughs> or like my high school coach, you know, my high school coaching friend told me about XYZ. Donovan Brazier was better 
you know, he knows everything. This is your story. It's 2016 Olympics, Trayvon Bromel, Heart of a Lion, that sort of thing. It's funny because I almost said it. I'm like, I never, I never think I've ever told that story. But I come <laughs> out I'm so glad I come out shut. I'm sure you've told it like three times on the podcast, or at least you've told it three times to me for sure. I assume one of the times was on the podcast. Okay, and just today we published the best of the Electron.com Track Talk podcast. We Jonathan highlighted eight of our his favorite podcasts from the year. And actually, the first one mentioned is Alphine Tulemac, for the record. Second, Madeline M- Manning Mims. Third, Jim Ryan. Fourth, Gina Castor. The fifth is the big three, Al Webb, Dathan Ritzenheim, and Ryan Hall. Then Shelby Houlihan, Joshua Cheptegei, and Malcolm Gladwell. If you missed any of those podcasts, you can read the article and catch up now. But, John, I, I was reading that this morning, putting it up on the website, and I loved it. I had never seen this before. You embedded a Getty image. For Madeline Manning M, for Madeline Manning Mims, from the Olympics, I guess. What year was that? Oh, this is actually an NCA photo. It says, but um, there's a picture of her laughing with Steve Prefontaine. Isn't that a fantastic picture? It was great. Yeah, I was looking for. I was like, okay, we need to have a photo of everyone and Getty images. You can sort of search through and see what they have. And it was one of her and pre. I kind of assumed. My guess was it was like the Olympic Village from like 1972. It says NCAA photos, so maybe it was from something like that. But oh, you're right. I'm reading the caption now. It does say NCAA photos archive, which is weird. But then the the if you click on it, it gives you a description. Steve Prefontaine of US with 800 meter runner Madeline Manning in Athletes Village in Munich, West Germany. So we got to have her back on the podcast now. Or at least Weldon, I think Weldon has her email. Ask her what this photo is and about. What are they laughing about? She's got a cup of coffee. It's a fantastic photo. So check out the article. It's really amazing. I mean, it's just, A, it, it brings us back to like, and Pri is so famous, yet this woman actually won Olympic gold. And to be honest, we barely heard of her, you know? Like, why hasn't she gotten the publicity that she's deserved? And then B, I don't know, with all the racial strife we've had in this country this year, it's great to see that, what was that, 48 years ago? A white man and a black woman were laughing and having fun. Power of sport there. Oh, one other thing before we close out this podcast. I mean, this was, we didn't talk about this highlight really, but I did include it when I was sort of compiling notes on this year. Not much happened in the running world in May, but Weldon Johnson became a father in May. Uh, so that to me is, you know, if we want to give out awards, maybe maybe parent of the year or something like that, or podcast host of the year, Weldon, congratulations to you and, Catherine on that. Thank you. Thank you guys. As we say that there's little CC, baby CC waving to the podcast. Oh, do you hear her? I don't know if you can hear her through the microphone. Yes. Highlight of my ear for sure. CC, CC manga, as I call her. Thank you, John. Thank you. John, Great that, year for me. Personally. I think that the parent of the year should always be the mother that has to give birth. But John, Great job there of kissing up to the bosses at the end of the year. At least one of the bosses. You've already embarrassed the other boss and not said anything nice about me on the entire podcast. <laughs> I Well, you had the number one article of the year, Robert. I mean, yeah, congrats for that. I, and I, I will admit, I wasn't, I was a little worried about you guys' ability on the, the quiz. You surpassed my expectations. I thought you both did pretty well. Obviously a perfect score would have been tough, but I thought you conducted yourself admirably. And at least we provided some pretty fun content for the fans. John, I, 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 I told, I've told you this before. I purposely 
downplay my intelligence, try to make you look good, make the female listeners think, wow, that Jonathan Galt guy is so smart. How does he put up with that idiot boss? You know, kind of people have every day, every day they go into work, they know they're smarter than their boss and they have to put up with it. Similar type. I want them to feel when they listen to the podcast. So, guys, should we do it for the year? Should we call it a year and say, see you next year? Yes. Well, that's not it, though. We have a bonus segment coming up. Every year, you know, at the end of the year, we look back at some of the people who won't be coming back, some of the deaths. Track and field lost a big one this year. Rafer Johnson. We have a little audio tribute to him coming up next. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I mean, we talk about Rafer. There's a little intro to this thing. I knew nothing about him, pretty much, besides him being the 1960 Olympic decathlon champion. But the guy had an absolutely amazing life. Came from nothing, and Olympic champion, played basketball. You say John Wooden carried the Olympic torch in 1984 with the Olympic cauldron. I mean, was there when Robert Kennedy got shot, tackled Sirhan Sirhan, and despite all of that, he was even better human being than that from everyone who knew him. So a tribute from Angel Martinez, former CEO of Deckers, Bob Larson, longtime UCLA coach, and the great Meb Kowalski. That's coming up next. But for us three, yes, this is the end of the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. Let me refresh the 2021 year map. Oh, it looks like maybe Riyadh, Saudi Arabia is hitting 2021 right now as we speak. It was a great 2020. Well, actually, it was. It was <laughs> Not really. Here's to a great 2021, guys. Next year has to be better than this one. I'm excited to share it with you guys. Looking forward to uh, continuing to cover the sport we all love. Yep. Email us any suggestions you want on Let's Run for 2021. John, I can't wait to be the only two media members at the NCAA Cross Country Championships in Oklahoma in a couple months, and then be hopefully in Tokyo with you in July. Until next year, guys and gals. Here's the Rafer Johnson tribute. Rafer Johnson lived a life we should all want to aspire to. And we're going to end the year by trying something different and paying our respects to Rafer by letting you hear my three prominent distance runners who knew him. Personally, I knew almost nothing about Rafer except that he was a 1960 Olympic decathlon champion. Then I read his obituary in the LA Times. His life story is simply unbelievable. Then I started hearing from you in the LRC community who said Rafer was an even better person than he was an athlete, and we should do something to honor him. So here we go. Before you hear from the people who knew Rafer, it's worth knowing the basics of his life story. We'll put a link to his great obituary in the LA Times in the show notes. Rafer's most known for winning the 1960 Olympic decathlon gold over his former UCLA teammate and good friend, C.K. Yang. It was a thrilling competition that represents what sports should be about. Rafer said afterwards, It seems funny to say winning is not all important. I always want to win, and no one wants to lose. But once you start on the field, everyone is equal. That is the important idea. In addition to winning the title as the world's greatest athlete, Rayford played basketball for the legendary John Wooden at UCLA. When the 1984 Olympics rolled around to Los Angeles, only one American could be selected to light the cauldron, and that was Rayford Johnson, because he represented the best of Los Angeles and America. And to know why, 
you've got to know a little bit more about his life story. Rafer was born in 1934 in Hillsborough, Texas, where his dad was a cotton picker. The family eventually moved to my hometown of Dallas, where Rafer lived in a house without electricity or indoor plumbing. They eventually moved out of the Jim Crow South to California, where there was more opportunity. Rafer in California started to establish himself as a great athlete, but also as a great leader. He was student body class president in middle school and in high school. When the choice of colleges came, he selected UCLA, where a prominent pioneering African-American sportsman, Jackie Robinson, had gone. At UCLA, Rafer wasn't only a sports star, but once again, he was student body class president. And when it came time to pick the flag bearer for the 1960 Olympic team, this, once again, was in a time when discrimination was legal in parts of the United States. Rafer Johnson was selected to carry the United States flag. After winning his iconic Olympic gold, Rafer became a businessman, actor, and broadcaster. He became close to the Kennedy family, in particular, Robert Kennedy. Unfortunately, on June 5, 1968, after Robert Kennedy clinched the Democratic nomination for president, Rafer was there when Sirhan Sirhan murdered Kennedy. Johnson said he rushed Sirhan and twisted Sirhan's fingers to get the gun loose. He ended up putting the gun in his pocket. Hours later that night, he found it in his pocket and handed it over to the police. Just a year later, after this traumatic and horrifying event, Johnson helped launch Special Olympics California, where he would be the president for 10 years, letting people of all abilities have that sense of equality that we all have on the athletic field. With a life story like this one, it made perfect sense that Rafer was selected to light the cauldron at the 1984 Olympics. But beyond this amazing bio, Rafer apparently was an even better person. I started seeing a few tributes to him on Let's Run.com. Former UCLA distance runner Christian Cushing Murray wrote, Well, there are many different definitions of the word privileged, especially in today's climate. I can only think of one definition that fully encompasses the term. That is having had first-hand experiences with Rafer Johnson and his family. Johnson's immediate family includes his wife, Betsy, his daughter, Jenny, who was an Olympic volleyball player, and an NCAA champion as a player and coach at UCLA, plus his son, Josh, who was a driving thrower at UCLA and roommate on the road with Olympian Meb Kofleski. Around the time of Cushing Murray's post, I got an email from Joe Rubio, the founder of Running Warehouse, who said we should do something to honor Rafer. Rubio forwarded me an email from Peanut Harms, the former California cross-country coach of the year with a funny story on Rafer. When I contacted Peanut, asking him who I should talk to about Rafer, he suggested Angel Martinez, the former Reebok executive, who did a lot of work with Rafer back in the day, and then went on to become the CEO of Deckers. Then I spoke with Bob Larson, the longtime coach at UCLA, and also to Meb Kofuski, another pioneering African-American star at UCLA. Up next are Angel, Bob, and Meb on the great Rafer Johnson. First up is Angel. Angel Martinez is a titan in the shoe industry. He's probably most known for being the CEO of Deckers for 12 years. Think Hoke One One, all your runners out there, but also Ugg Boots. Prior to that, he was one of the first international employees of Reebok, where he started out as a sales rep and then became CEO of Rockport, which was a Reebok subsidiary. But Martinez is through and through one of us, a runner. He was a 29-minute 10K runner, a 218 marathoner, an All-American at UC Davis, and one of the founding members of the now Hoka Oni Oni Aggies. The Aggies logo? It was designed by Angel Martinez. 
Martinez first got to know Rafer Johnson when he was working at Reebok, and Reebok started sponsoring the California Interscholastic Federation. Johnson and Martinez would become friends, become advisors on the Reebok Human Rights Award, and as you'll see next, Martinez thought Johnson was an amazing human being. Here's Angel Martinez on Rafer Johnson. He was even a, a better person than he was an athlete, which obviously he was one of the greatest athletes of all time. So that says everything you need to know about Rafer. And everyone, everyone who'd ever met him um, walked away saying the same thing. You know, he was humble. He was funny. He's uh, just incredibly uh, dignified. Probably the most dignified person I think I've ever met. Just an amazing, and I've met some pretty dignified people, you know, over the years in a variety of things. And, uh, you know, Rafer really had a special, just a special um, appeal and charm um, that made you go look in the mirror and say, you know, how can I be more like Rafer? And that, that was the impact I think that he had on people without even trying, just by example. And, uh, you know, it was uh, really an honor to know him. You know, he embodied what, what I think is best in humanity. I think he was one of those people that is on the face of the earth to truly be an example to everyone else. And, and, and uh, you know, he did it with such good humor and grace. There's a very funny story that I'll tell you that I asked him to help us when I was at Reebok, we were, um, we'd done a deal to sponsor the CIF um, championship event. So one year I was at the Oakland Coliseum and Rafer was there because he always came to these events to, you know, um, speak to the kids and to be, to just be there as, as a, an ambassador. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of the kids never heard of Rafer Johnson. And, and this is now in, oh, it's, I think it was the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. And, and yet people, kids, parents, officials were all so amazed by him and impressed by him. So one, one day we, we had a uh, special event and, you know, he spoke and then we, we said, I said, Rafer, you know, we've got a uh, surprise for you. We're going to, because I grew up in Alameda. And I said, we're going to take you to an incredible restaurant in Alameda. And we have a car picking us up with a driver. And we're going to drive to Alameda and we're going to, you're never going to have any better food than this. This is really something. So, uh, and I said, and it, it's a Mexican restaurant. It's probably the best Mexican restaurant I've ever eaten at. So he was, you know, he was as excited as Ray forgot about these things, you know. Yeah, you shouldn't have got a card. Let's just take a taxi. He said, No, no, no. We, we, we. You deserve, you know, that we have a car and a driver. So we're standing out in front of the, uh, I think it was the Hyatt Edgewater at Oakland Airport. Rafer is not the kind of guy who insisted on staying at the uh, Hyatt Regency or 
the, the mark the Fairmont or anything like that. So what was good for us was good for him. So up up pulls the car, and he's standing on the curb, and he's doesn't realize it's the car. <laughs> Little did he know that I got my best friend, who had inherited his father's 1971 Ford Fairlane, which was colored like when it was new, it looked like a penny. It was copper colored, but by then it was quite old and rusting. So there was rust all over it. The headliner was falling down. <laughs> the seats had the spring sticking up. And my buddy was dry. He was the driver. So I said, Rayford, this is a car. I told you we're going to get a car. He gets in. He, we put him in the back seat. <laughs> and he did not stop laughing the entire time we, you know, it took 15 minutes to get to the restaurant. And the restaurant is was an old restaurant in Alameda. It's called the Acapulco. And they really did have the best Mexican food in the world. And so I, I said, look, you're, you're about to have something. I just want to know your opinion. And so we ordered the what they had was their bean dip. They bring out a bowl of bean dip and chips, you know, as an appetizer. Rafer could not stop eating the bean dips. And every time he'd dip a, a chip, and he said, this is, these aren't the best beans I've ever had. He said, this is the best thing I have ever eaten. And he just, I think he ate an entire bowl of this thing. And it was like a, a big bowl. And he just had the time of his life. We laughed the entire night. And, uh, you know, that was Rafer. You know, just we had a great time. And he was always laughing. You know, his laugh was so contagious. You know, it was just one of, one of those. He was a wonderful guy to be with. If he was a glass is always full guy, you know. It, it wasn't that, that he had a false dichotomy about about life. It, it was always great. Everything was, obviously he had struggles in his life, you know, but like we all do. But um, he chose to see his life in a, in a as a, a, an incredible, um, I think, testament to, to who he was. I mean, he lived, he lived who he was. You know, he was pure, a pure soul, truly a, an amazingly uh, inspiring man. People are really dedicated athletes who, who aspire to try somehow to get to the top of the pyramid in their sport, whatever their sport is, um, you know, tend to have a, a, a different worldview. You know, they're, they... I think they are rather uh, unforgiving in, the, in their expectation of themselves. And, you know, they tend to aspire to uh, reach beyond what they think is capable and, you know, do all those things that that they know inside um, are required to be a great athlete. And they get sometimes to be um, insular. And um, there's a certain, in many people, a certain selfishness that emerges. And all of us probably who have aspired to that get that way for a while. You know, you it's all about you and your training and what you have to do to win. And he's a person who obviously had done all of that, but there was not a selfish bone in his body. I mean, no, nothing ever it was not a thought of selfishness. He was about what can I do to 
help others without even having that thought. He was he was just there to help you in whatever way you know uh, he could. And uh you know it was truly something, truly something. Uh, he I don't think I've, I know that I can say this without any equivocation that he was the best person I think I have ever, I've ever known. And, and, and I, I would say, I mean, I, I got to know Jimmy Carter a little bit and when he was on our board of the human rights award and I would put him on the same plateau, uh, just the best person that I've ever known. Um, and that, you know, the kind of person that we all aspire to be, and it's rare that you can point to an example of that person. And here he was hanging out with high school kids at, at events, you know, going, <laughs> sitting in the back of a 71 Ford Fairlane with, with headliner drooping in his face as we uh, drove into Alameda and laughing the entire way. Bob Larson has known who Rayford Johnson was for nearly 70 years. Bob's best known on Let'sRun.com for being the coach of Meb Kofleski. Prior to coaching Meb to his Boston and New York wins, Bob was the coach at UCLA for 20 years, where he was the NCAA Coach of the Year four times. Bob grew up on a farm in Minnesota that didn't have electricity, but soon moved out to California, where he first encountered Rafer Johnson at track meet in the 1950s. He was in awe then of Rafer, the athlete, once he became UCLA coach, he became in awe of Rafer, the man. Here's Bob Larson on Rafer Johnson. I first uh, saw Rafer in a track meet in the 1950s at Los Angeles Coliseum in a dual meet, UCLA-USC. He did five events. I was in high school at the time. He did five events. He won all five of them. He jumped over 25 feet in the long jump, which in those days was about a record, I think, for the Coliseum. He ran the hurdles. He threw the javelin. I don't know what else. I can't remember what else he did that day, but uh, maybe high jump. But I don't remember hardly anything else about the meet. They did uh, tidy up lane one and had uh was it landry was the second guy to break the four minute mile after banister he came over from australia or wherever set up for a four minute mile and bailey beat him was then training at oregon remember that i think bailey went under four and uh, beat landry and of course, the thing I really remember even more than that was just how impressive Rafer was, just how he conducted himself, how he looked. You know, that it, that was drilled in my mind forever as far as this was Rafer Johnson. So I got a chance to coach at UCLA. One of the people I was really looking forward to is getting to meet in person, Rafer. Rafer and spending some time with him. And I realized over a period of years that he is the, no one I think is um, classier 
in sports or a better role model than Rafer Johnson. Every time you get a chance to be around Rafer, you just realize the impact he has on on everybody, you know, how much reverence they have for him, what he stood for. And then you hear all the stories that you just weren't even aware that he had done so many things in his life and he underplayed or downplayed all of those things. Most people, you know, never dream about, you know, going from there to what Rafer was able to do. It's uh, it's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> and, you know, in a, in a way, I admire people, especially so many things about Rafer, but especially that he could connect with anybody. And that was a gift or something he developed over time. Part of it was him being humble. Part of it, obviously, is because he had accomplished so much. But he never lost uh, that the touch of taking his time, being patient with people. You know, everybody knew around the world uh, who Rafer was. You know, UCLA has been so fortunate because UCLA also had Jackie Robinson and Arthur Ashe. You know, when you're talking about uh, role models of minority um, athletes, Guerrero, the athletic director, you know, later said that Rafer was the greatest Bruin ever in his mind. And, of course, some people will say, well, what about Jackie Robinson and some others? But uh, you certainly, I think, have to put Rafer right there with Jackie. He certainly compares favorably, I think, with with Jackie and and uh, was able to do so many things without uh, irritating people. You know, he got his point across in so many ways, just with his quiet uh, nature. And uh, I, I, I've never met anybody that didn't have great respect for him. You know, some people accomplish something and you're talking to someone to analyze it and they're saying, yeah, he did this, this, and this. But with Rafer, it was never a but. He... <laughs> He was, uh, I think he he had, uh, uh, what do we call it, uh, his antennae or his, uh, his analysis and uh, feeling for things was spot on. And, and I think it wasn't something he was ever, um, he was never trying to sell Rafer Johnson. You know, for him to be able to accomplish all that and for his parents to come from such humble background. You know, again, I think a little bit comparing with Meb because, you know, Meb's parents obviously are very intelligent, but they had no formal education. And, uh, but the parents really emphasized it and all the kids in the family have accomplished amazing things and, uh, you know, that similarity between Meb and and Rafer are there. And, uh, and again, being humble, being classy, uh, doing the right thing, and, and wanting to do the right thing just as a natural part of their 
their life and their philosophy. Matt Kofleski needs no introduction on Let's Run.com. The American legend, the Athens Olympic silver medalist, the Boston Marathon champ, the New York City Marathon champ. He's got not only the UCLA connection to Rayford Johnson, where he comes in a line of pioneering African-American sportsmen that goes from Jackie Robinson to Rafer Johnson to Arthur Ashe to Meb Kofleski. He's also got personal ties to Rafer, as when Meb was at UCLA, his roommate at Meets on the Road was often Josh Johnson, Meb's self-proclaimed big brother, who was Rafer's son and also sometimes driver around Los Angeles since Meb didn't have a car. When Meb first made the Olympic team, who was there to watch him? But Rafer and his entire family. His daughter Jennifer was competing in beach volleyball. Here's Meb on Rafer. I mean, he was that kind of person. He was humble. Um, he, he was kind. He was generous. And he, he wasn't the guy to say, hey, come look at me kind of thing. You know, it's, it's a person, a human first, you know, and I got, I had the great honor to meet him and Betsy, his wife, and Josh, his son, and Jenny, his daughter, and, you know, going to see them at UCLA is one thing, but then to see them back and forth after that, see them at the Sydney Olympics, which is my most memorable experience there for me personally, and to have them there, and... So that was him and his, you know, Betsy and Rafer were just a great human being and, you know, in, uh, biracial, uh, to imagine that we talked about carrying the flag in 1960 and to be, to have intermar- intercultural marriage, and, but they never, you can never notice, you know, it was, I, I believe they were care and love and care for each other and, and that's what, um, stands out for for me. It's not what we accumulate, but what we do with it. And he's been with the Special Olympics, just great tribute to what he has done, you know, from being the greatest athlete athlete in the world and to the special needs. And, uh, and he lived an incredible life. Obviously, we know from all the covers that his, his humanitarian work is wonderful and and his legacy is down from ground and his purpose the best that he can be he achieved that i'm honored to have gotten to know him and you know know his family and what he stands for and um but at the end of the day you know he's you know he left a big footprint and a lot of we can all aspire to be we can all we all have different gifts different abilities but he definitely has maximized his himself and and his wife and his kids and to be the best they can and and it's wonderful to be able to just uh him remember him that way versus you know as a, as a, as an athlete he was always on the he can do one thing wrong and he'd be known for that but i'm i'm glad he went the way he did and you know uh, jenny uh, his uh sent me a text and for thing her thing was you know uh, no regrets he he did his purpose on earth and i will see him again Happen. It's nice to be able to do that because sometimes you're on deathbed and you wish you could have done this and this and that, and to say no regret is a wonderful tribute to his life. Thanks to Meb, Angel, and Bob for sharing their memories of Rafer. 
If you're feeling inspired by Rafer and would like to contribute to a Rafer Johnson fund, there are three funds supported by the family. Howie Kofletsky, Meb's brother, sent us these via Josh Johnson, Rafer's son. There's Special Olympics, Southern California, Rafer Johnson Tribute Fund, the UCLA Athletics Rafer Johnson Endowment Fund, and Play Equity Foundation Rafer Johnson Impact Fund, dedicated to providing support to organizations serving adaptive athletes and those with intellectual disabilities. We will put a link to all three of those in the show notes. Happy New Year, everyone.